I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. No such thing as a media ban. We don't have a media ban. Ah, you do? No, we don't. A donkey eat that. A donkey eat a palace. <laughs> There's nothing else to eat. He was massive. <laughs> Legs, ass, filth. But I burst out laughing. <laughs> so we have to start the show today by congratulating Ballin Amore. First Leitrim County Championship since 1990. A long, long wait. Because usually you associate these famines Niall, with, you know, the underdogs, the teams that don't usually get to them. These are the market leaders in Leitrim football. This is their 21st um, county title. The next best to them is their local rivals, Ahuillen, on 12. And Ahuillen have won seven since Ballinamore last won one. So they got a little bit pissed off of this crowd, you know, catching up on their, 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 uh, their record. So like 31 years, a long time for a club with 20, 20 titles already. Yeah, I was reporting on this match uh, yesterday, Willie, and I was looking through the history books and seeing that it was 31 years and they'd only competed in three finals since 1990 as well. Like, So I suppose for the most successful club in the county, like it was a, a huge drought and yeah. um, just a, hu- a huge occasion for them to get back to the final yesterday as well. Absol- absolutely was. A great football too, Lee, in fairness. Like, I mean, a, a lot of people raving about the standard of football, a lot of kick passing, some fantastic scores in it as well. Yeah, it was really brave football. Um, it was end to end. They were both both teams were really going for it, and there was a lot of standout players. But um, Wayne McKeown, uh, he was halfback for Ballinamore, number seven. He, he was just a beast of a man. I was really impressed with him. Um, he was plowing through everybody. I actually thought he looked a little like uh, Mickey Burke, uh, the Honey Badger, you know, for me, <laughs> just because the tattoos, the stature, the build, and everything, and just the way he tackled. And then at full time. Uh, the camera was on him and he dropped to his knees, he had his hands in his face and the emotion just overcame him, you know, and it, it was it was strange to see, you know, such a, a burly, strong, powerful man, you know, like dropped to like that, but that's just how much it means to them, you know. Yeah, he threw a dummy solo for his point too, a nice little one from a, from a just to get it, he actually made the, the angle even tighter with the dummy solo, there was no need for it at all. Yeah, he was just, he was playing with such confidence at that stage, like the whole way through the game, he was, he was, you'd hear about a lot of players kind of shooting on sight, but this lad was just passing on sight and he was passing off the outside of the boot, the inside of the boot and he just, he was on fire yesterday and definitely a well-deserved man of the match. Yeah, definitely was. And then there was some great scenes um, at the full-time whistle, obviously a pitch invasion, you had the captain Dean McGovern crying before he lifted the cup and gave the cup a lovely little kiss then and kind of cried again. And it's like, Jesus, we needed that. I think we needed that a bit, Niall, didn't we? I, I know there has been some good scenes, but it's the first it's county final there where you're actually looking, going brilliant game, close game until the last minute, pitch invasion, crying, tears, long wait, famine. Now we're into club season, I feel. What more could you ask for, really? Yeah. No, but like from the very outset um, yesterday, there was just a county final feel to that game. Like there was the parade before the game, there was a band there, there was a huge crowd at the game as well. And 
there was just, even before the ball was thrown in, I knew we b- built up to the game a bit last Thursday, but you just felt there was going to be a tight, close game. And that's exactly what it was yesterday. I suppose the game, that, like all the sideshows were, were good, but the game was brilliant as well. Like it was end to end stuff. It was, there was tight and it was, as well as that, like it was, it was kind of direct football. There was no, in a lot of football games these days, you kind of see the ball being kind of passed around aimlessly. But it was Mohill were just booting the ball in the top of the full forward, and um, the whole way through, it was it really was great stuff to watch. Yeah, super stuff. In the fifty-eight minute uh, goal, uh, Niall McGovern, Dean's brother, um, Dean gave him the pass. If he didn't score this, this was an absolutely brilliant finish, Lee. If he didn't score this, he would have been absolutely killed. Like, there's literally a hand pass there for a, a another man to sidestep across and go around the goalkeeper, and it's it's in the net. Chose not to do it. Went went himself, backed himself, and an absolutely brilliant finish. Yeah, I mean, fortune favors the brave. Uh, he was the coolest man on the pitch that late in the game. He had nothing but goal on his sights. Um, but I was sort of looking at it and I was kind of thinking the person who was standing uh, free to try to get the palm goal, was he maybe uh, capable for a, a square ball? I don't know. Or maybe that was going through his head or, yeah. or probably more likely, you know, he just thought, you know, this is my moment and I'm going to take it. And then he took it with both hands. Could have been that either. But like another thing, when there's a man inside you and you go yourself, it does mess with your head as in, shit, you know, should I give that? It, you need an awful lot of confidence to ignore that one because that's the one you'll be lynched when you go back in the restroom if you don't miss that. The greediness of that, to not give it inside. Like, you know, you would talk about it and everything. So psychologically, by ignoring that man inside, you need incredible confidence, you know, to be able to stick it away like he did. I think every player has experienced that at, at a few stages in their career when you're running through on goal. And not only do you have to beat the goalie, you kind of have to beat that voice in your head. Like, should yeah, I pass? Yeah. I'd always give it. Should I Just go? so that you're covered yourself. You've yeah. covered yourself. I think that it was about five minutes earlier, there was a very similar situation and they gave the ball and the fella he gave it to kind of d- delayed a small bit and it was saved by um, the Mohill goalkeeper. So I'd say Niall McGovern, he was probably just thinking, right, we've missed the last one. I'm going to boot this one now. And it was a brilliant finish too. Like, Drill it low and it stayed to the ground. Yeah. The goalie hadn't a chance like. Yeah, no, it was an absolutely brilliant goal. All right, so we mentioned the scenes after the game, lads, and Ballinamore captain Dean McGovern was overcome with emotion. He was lifting the cup. I'm delighted to say Dean joins us on the line now. I'd say you're one happy man today, Dean. Ah, oh, absolutely delighted. Um, I don't think it's really sunk in for myself or the teammates yet. Um, it's been a crazy last oh, 20, 20 hours, but yeah, no, listen, it's, it's brilliant. We're absolutely delighted. So like it's 31 years and like I mean for a club like Ballinamore who are the 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 big successful club in in Leitrim you've 21 county titles now the next best is 12 or 13 like I mean this must have been really gnawing away at the club Yeah no it definitely was but um, I suppose kind of the biggest thing for us you know it wasn't mentioned a huge pile in fairness kind of you know to get that number 21 but you know, in the back of your mind, you're always thinking, "Gee, Mac, you, you just want to just get it and be like, be done with it, and then kind of create kind of your own legacy going forward." Then that's yeah. kind of the way we were looking at. It. You, you were overcome with emotion. You, you were crying before you lifted the cup. You gave it a lovely, tender kiss. Then, so it was a nice moment on the telly. Oh yeah, it was incredible. Like you know, I suppose kind of from your from you start playing football, you know, and you're playing in the front garden with your brothers and sisters and. And you kind of maybe lift a, a, a fake cup after beating them in a match and think to yourself, you know, you might get to lift it someday in front of your club and your teammates. It's an incredible thing and something I, I you know, you can't, you kind of picture it in your head, but when you do it, it's, it's, it's really incredible, to be honest. Because you share around captains, do you? Like, I mean, uh, uh, when you were in 2019, you had a different captain that year. Yeah, so we kind of share around captains. Uh, so Shane was our captain in 19. Um, and then Wayne was our captain last year. He got man of the match yesterday. And then, you know, unfo- uh, lucky enough, I suppose, it was just um, Don put me as captain, um, you know, the week of the league final. And unfortunately, we lost that. But, um, yeah, no, today we got the big one. And I'm just delighted that I was the one, you know, got to end that 31-year famine. So, like, I mean, we're talking about, obviously, the 31-year wait. You know, you're crying. There's great scenes at the end of the game. And then for it all to be captured on the television. So, like, the whole country saw it. You know, did, did you notice after the game the attention it was after getting? Yeah, so I suppose kind of the big thing was um, I was lucky enough when the final whistle went 
the first people I met was Niall and Barry, so they're my brothers. And, you know, we were just, we were crying and hugging each other and it was just pure delight. And then the next person I met was obviously Keith Keegan, my marker from Mowell. And then I met my sister, Emma. And I, I, I kind of just fell to the ground. Like, I remember like Key and Lynch saying, you know, you're looking for your breath. And I remember thinking, geez, I can't breathe properly at all. It, it was incredible. And like, Emma was just kind of holding me and I fell to the ground. And the, the PG Car people were pulling me away to come and lift the cup before I could kind of greet the rest of my teammates. And I was kind of like, no, 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 I just want to meet the rest of them. But they were like, no, we have to do it. It's, it's all the schedules. But I was like, right, fair enough, fair enough. So I kind of went with them. Yeah, they're fairly cutthroat, these, those TG Cahar. I, I got man of the match in a county final and I was grabbed and, and pretty much dragged across the pitch. I couldn't celebrate either. It's like, Jesus, lads, relax. I know that like, they are on a tight schedule, so they have to get the cup presentation or whatever interviews they want out of the way. But the, the, the celebrating with your teammates is pretty important too. Yeah, no, exactly. Like you really have to appreciate. Like um, I remember, kind of when they had me up on the podium or whatever, and uh, getting ready to accept the cup. I, I said to said my uncle is like the vice chairman in fairness, and I said to him, my mum had the speech, so I kind of wrote it the day after we won the semi final. I just handed it to her, and I was like, listen, if we were happy to win, give it to me after that. And I was like, I I need the speech off my mother. Like I I wouldn't have a clue what to say or who to thank or any this sort of stuff. Cause, you hadn't really kind of considered the final whistle going and you're winning and what what takes place after. Unfortunately, I've never seen it as a kid or growing up, like the 31 years, I'm only 24. So it was all alien to me. But um, yeah, thankfully just things worked out. And yeah, no, in fairness, they're fairly cutthroat. But just to see the boys after was incredible. Yeah, uh, Dom Corrigan said it was a great advertisement for Leitrim football. It was a fantastic game. Some brilliant points kicked, like lots of kick passing. Like, is that something Dom has focused on? You know, more a, a traditional brand of football, uh, maybe. Yeah, no, I suppose kind of the big thing was with us. Like, we, he said it to me after the game when I was chatting to him. We were having our food. He said we had an eighty percent conversion rate. So that was we had one wide and two drop short. Wow. That, was, that was way ahead of what we've been. Normally we were at the 65 kind of mark. But, um, like, you know, to kick one wide in the county final and everything to kind of come to a culmination was brilliant. But Mohol was there. Mohol was at 68%, you know. And they kicked very little wide. Like, you've probably seen the points they kicked. Keith Byrne would kick great scores all day. And listen, like, I suppose kind of stats matter very little, but... I just think, you know, the willingness of lads to get up the pitch and support each other was massive. Like yeah. towards the end of the game, especially. How, how did how did Dom end up uh, managing you guys? Uh, what's the connection there? You know, he's ex inter county manager, so you know it's a it's a big it's it's a big get for a club. Yeah, so I suppose kind of uh, Dom only lives twenty five minutes away from Ballymore. Uh, we're kind of on the cabin um, from Anna Border, right? So it's it's, it's handy enough and. I suppose he's been quite influential, obviously, with St. Michael's. <clears throat> One of our uh, players obviously played with them as well. So he's well kind of renowned with Ballymore. He knows it well enough. And he was familiar enough with uh, a lot of the previous players as well. So, listen, it was a massive coup when we got him. Unfortunately, in the first year, in 2019, we didn't win it. There was massive disappointment that year. And last year, you know, obviously we didn't get across the line either. But this year, it just it made it so much sweeter. Listen, Dom's a brilliant manager. It's well-renowned. Like, he wins county championships wherever he goes. And, like, Leitrim's no different now. You were involved in the goal. The goal was a huge uh, a huge score, obviously. Uh, your brother Niall scored it. You would have absolutely killed him. What a finish that was. There was a man inside him. How did he not pass it in? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I was going to kill him if he, put it, if he didn't pass. Because the, the biggest thing we kind of work on is, you know, the pan across. But um, in fairness tonight, he's a confident guy. And, you know, if if, um, if anyone's going to back himself, you know, it's going to be Niall. And in fairness to him, he delivered when we needed it most. Well, that was, that was kind of, well, I wouldn't say it was it, but there was such a big score at that stage. Yeah, listen, I suppose Wayne kicked a massive score from 50 yards, I think, before and outside of the right, on the free, kind of in front of the stand. And that was a massive score. And then when we got the goal, I think everyone in the team kind of felt, Mohol weren't going to score a goal yeah. and I think if we got one more score I was like yeah no, I think we'll see it home and 
we'll get the Vina Cup home to Ballamore. Yeah, so it's a lovely feeling. County champions after 31 years, you're captain. Um, you all, a lot of you played, you know, you played very well on the day. New Leitrim manager Andy Moran watching you uh, from the stands. So, like, I mean, a nice, a nice start in front of him. Yeah, no, listen, I suppose the biggest thing with Andy, I'd say, um, no, it was obviously, you've seen probably um, the reports probably on the Leitrim Championship. Like, there is good footballers in Leitrim. Do you know, You've seen Keith Byrne, you've seen the Shane Moran, you've seen the Tom Pryors, the Donald Flames, the Niall McGovern. These guys are good footballers. It's just, the biggest thing in Leitrim is belief, belief, belief. Do you know, they can go out and play college football with some of the best footballers all over the country. And they won't be out of place. And for Andy Moran, I think the biggest thing for him is to bring a belief to the scene and just get lads to back themselves. Because obviously, the we're not going to be competing for the Sam Maguire. That's, you know, that's a given, I suppose, kind of with the top six, eight teams all over the country. But I suppose as a county, you know, we were in Crow Park in 2019. Them days are massively special. And, you know, you want them to come around more often than they have been. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, what happened then, you know, in Terry's second year, wouldn't, you know, wasn't as positive as the first one. I suppose when you get to the championship, you come up against a Roscommon or a May or something, and sure, it's, it's almost an impossibility. Well, I suppose Terry's second year, you know, we had the, we had a, we had a good enough start to the league. We we drew with Derry, up in Derry, and then we played Cork, you know, who's top eight, ten team in their own right. And you know, we were three points down to them in the second half, lost them by eight in the end. But it was a game that got away from us. Loughborough was a game we could have won as well. But you know, I think the COVID thing, we probably didn't manage it as well as the whole group, and. Uh, you know, looking back, it's probably something you probably regret a wee bit. Yeah. Before I let you go, um, I know you want to get back into the celebrations. Are you back in Plan B? I suppose Plan B will give you seven championship games against, you know, a similar level, a Talton Cup to play for as well. What are your thoughts on that before I let you go? Yeah, no, I would be back. I'm, I'm not usually familiar with it, to be honest, um, which I will I haven't looked to use my into it. I was going to kind of wait until the club scene looked over. But I, I think, yeah, the more games, the better. Do you know, everyone wants, like, Leitrim people especially, like, they're, they're usually passionate about their football. They want to see Leitrim playing as much football as they can. And, listen, you know, if it makes us become a better county in football and wise, yeah, we're all for it here. Yeah. yeah, I'll let you back into that cup. It's a very small cup. You like, I mean, you wouldn't even fit too much drink into that. I don't know if it, I hope it's oh, not... Oh, I be- didn't even get to bring it home with me. <laughs> oh, I did you not? bring it home with me. No, no, I didn't get to bring it home. So, um, Oh, listen. We, um, yeah, we'll enjoy, we'll enjoy the next few days, and uh, we'll see where, we'll see where it takes us anyway. Dean, thanks very much for taking the call, and congratulations. Thanks, William Wally. Take it, Andy. Great stuff from Dean there. Jeez, I'd love to be in Dean's shoes now, heading back into the pub there just for a nice day. Might watch the video. Uh, you know, have a good chat with the lads. The day after is always a better day because the night of the county finals are a complete blur and just a little bit jealous. So congratulations to Ballon and War. We won't say any more than that. I hope they have a great day. Big news out of Clare, uh, Niall. I'm going to show this to you is Tony Kelly. What's going on here? Right. So Tony Kelly looks like he's gone now for the rest of the club season and he's going to miss next year's National League. Tony Kelly came on for his club yesterday, Ballier, scored two points. So he's obviously injured, must have done it in training, whatever. So if you've made a mess of your ankle, why is he coming on to make it worse? Number one. Number two, if he's okay to come on and go through the pain barrier, can he not play one more bloody game or two games? They're in the semi-final now. And number three, I'd say Brian Lowen is pulling his hair out with, you know, the best player in the country. Um being used by his club when he is injured there's just so much this is a little bit kind of I don't know what to make of it It's a really strange one Wooly like um, you'd almost think our Ballyhale Ballyhale nearly nearly bluffing a bit here trying to um, let the other teams know that Tony Kelly is out or something like that because it's such a strange one like before the game yesterday there was like the kind of talk and Claire was is Tony Kelly going to play? Is he not going to play? And he warmed up when he was in his tracksuits and like he was he was moving around and he seemed kind of Maybe you weren't sure, like, because he was in the tracksuits. But then he um, he didn't start the game. But then he came on. I think it was with twenty minutes to go. The game the game was tight enough at that stage. And Ballier, like, they needed Tony Kelly basically yeah. at that stage. And he came on and he was flying. Scored two like trademark Tony Kelly points, just bombing down the wing. Off so the that's left, my point. If he's able to do that, why can't he play in two weeks' time and postpone that 
that surgery if he needs it to play for his club because if he's willing to take a risk yesterday it's no less of a risk in it for the next game is it, it? It must be a long term sort of injury that he's had Woolly and you're just waiting for like surgery was needed at some stage and maybe whether this is the only time he can get in or whether Maybe it's that, this yeah. is the the right kind of thing to do. But I remember he did have, um, it was a 2020 All-Ireland quarterfinal, he went down in the warm-up against um, Waterford that day yeah. and he played through played through the whole game like and he wasn't he wasn't bad, but he wasn't he wasn't Tony Kelly as as we usually see him like. But um, I suppose it must be a long term thing that has kind of been holding him back. But like when you see him yesterday in the last twenty minutes, he certainly didn't look like a fella who had not holding him back because I'm telling you he was he was bombing down the wing like there was he was he was in as a sub and you could see he was in as a sub the speed he was leaving lads for dead like yeah no like he always does it's a weird like Brian Lowe the the county manager like I mean obviously putting the loyalty Lee of the club to one side. This is your best player by a mile who's injured and he's taken a chance with the club. He can't probably tell Tony Kelly not to because it's his club, but he's probably taking, holy shit, you know what I mean? If, 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 I, if this lad does more damage. Yeah, it's an impossible um, sort of situation for them, uh, the county manager. They must just be watching all of these uh, club matches just through their hands, you know, the fingers covering their face because it's nerve wracking seeing them get stuck in the heavy tackles, the you know, county players going up against each other and, and starting scuffles and you're probably just sitting back thinking, God, I'm going to have to try and solve that now when I get them together yeah. for, for the county. But well, now don't, yeah, now, it's, it's just a mess. Don't worry, we'll get to the Derry Club football in a minute when you want to talk about that kind of stuff. Because <laughs> there was war with La- there was war up there at the weekend. We'll get to that um, in a minute. Finish up with Claire here now, Six Mile Bridge route. Strange one. Shane O'Donnell's obviously back uh, from the concussion. Great to see him back, actually. Because, like, I mean, he missed he missed a good few Clare games from that one concussion he got in training. David Reedy and himself both scored one too. Surprising with this is that they hammered Six Mile Bridge. Do you know Six Mile Bridge had beaten them the last couple of years and no one was expecting such a one-sided game, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, like Aerog did last Six Mile Bridge in the semi-final last year, the quarter-final year before, so it was nearly becoming like a bit of a, a bit of a hoodoo for them. But um, yeah, it was very one-sided scoreline. Um, Shane O'Donnell and David Reedy both got one too, so it seemed that Six Mile Bridge weren't able to contain like they would be Aerog's two danger men anyway but they, they definitely did the business for the boys yeah so they're dethroned um, in Clare Nemo Rangers were de- were dethroned in in Cork we might get that t- in in a, in a little while Glenty's beat Guidor in Donegal uh, Lee this like I mean this is some great news we'll talk about this on Friday this sets up a county semi-final against Kilcar and this is obviously a repeat of the 2020 final which is still you know up under different committees to see who it was appealed. Um, Kilcar appealed and won. Nave Connell re-appealed and they won. So then now they're still our county champions. This is the 2020 um, county final that they used too many subs in or, or something like that. Or, you know, that was the accusation. And I think it's at a third appeal stage now, Lee. So, like, I mean, that's a huge one. Glenty's actually beat them pretty comfortably, Guido. It was an inch. Like, Kevin Cassidy wasn't playing and Eamon McGee and they're pushing on. Like, when you, when you think back to their 2018 brilliant year where they won the Ulster, they were arguably their two best players. Yeah, I mean, we talked a little bit uh, how players, when they get a little bit older, especially former county players, you sort of move them to that full forward position. And I'm pretty sure that's what they did with Kevin Cassidy. And he was very, uh, it was devastating for them. Um, so you would think that he he would be a big miss, but it is insane that they're just going to put that whole appeal thing. The fact that it's still the 2020 championships not resolved and it's just being set on ice yeah. while they go and meet each other. It's essentially a year later, but might have to have a replay from the year before. I mean, it's like completely uncharted stuff in GAA history, surely. Um, it, it'll set up a really fiery uh, match, but I bet you they'll be counting every single sub, you know, and, and being really diligent about everything that they do going forward. Yeah, and it's on TG Cahar next Sunday, which is absolutely fantastic. So I told you, we've really kicked off now with the Sunday game. I, I thought some of the games so far when you're watching first round matches or group matches or quarterfinals, it doesn't have, you know, what we got with Balnamore and Mohill and, and what we will get, I'm sure, with uh, Nave Connell. Nave Connell have some consistency. Like, they're there every year. They're like... They're such a dogged um, team. What happened up in Derry, um, Lee? So there was war with Lavi and Bal and Derry. It was, it was caught on video. I always wonder who videos these ones because you're incriminating your own club players or else it's just uh, the person videoing it is uh, a neutral that's just gone to watch the matches, only delighted to get the, all these boys suspended. 
Yeah, I think maybe it's the it's the younger people who are videoing it because they video everything. So any opportunity <laughs> yeah. they get, it's, you know, it's nearly just habitual at this stage for them. But I like it was doing the rounds in all of the WhatsApp groups. I've got like three different angles from it now, and I'm trying. I'm still trying to suss out what's going on. I've written to a few people like how exactly it started, who exactly was involved and stuff. But I mean, it was really really chaotic. I mean, proper digs were being thrown in the subs jumped over the gate to try and get involved. People were trying to hold everyone back. Uh, it, it completely kicked off. But from my understanding of it, uh, Lavi were much the better team and they Ballandary didn't really put too much up against them. They're sort of a, a fading side, that Ballandary. They were quite dominant in Derry uh, in the sort of late noughties. But they're sort of running out of steam now, you know, apart from maybe Garth McKillness and stuff. They're not too many involved with the county panel. And then Lavi's got a really young and up-and-coming team that you keep hearing about. Um, they beat Slack Neil earlier in the season. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's all set up really, really nicely. Well, unless Lavi get players suspended now from, from that, uh, from that video, those videos, I couldn't see that many clear punches. I saw an awful lot. It's like the camera was catching up on these you know, incidents rather than actually filling them. Maybe, yeah. maybe I didn't see the same version you did. Yeah, uh, well, there's three versions, maybe four that got all sent around. Depends on how many uh, group chats you're in. <laughs> um, it's mad that this has become a big function for WhatsApp and the GAA circles. It's just videos of fights that do the runs. Um, but no, I, I, hopefully not. You know, because like Lavi, um, they're set up now to be in a semi-final, I think, against Slockneil, and then Glenn are playing the loop. But what, well, for me, as a neutral's point of view, what I want to see is a Glenn and Slough Neil final because that would be a real derby. Them two absolutely hate each other. Glenn would have been really, really successful uh, under age. They've won lots of like minor Ulster titles and under 20 Ulster titles, while Slough Neil have obviously been more dominant on the senior side. Uh, but this Glenn team are finally starting to come through. They're both from like Mahara sort of area, so it is like an actual derby. You know, they, they sort of have to share that village, that that location. So to see them in a final, like from a neutral's point of view, is is definitely what I want to see next. Yeah, we'll keep our eye out for that. There was drama in London as well, lads. St. Kieran's won their second ever London title. Um, one thirty into twelve pounds. Waiting you hear this. St. Kieran's were playing against ten men at one stage. So there was a row, there was a row in this as well. Not to focus too much on the rows. There was a row going in at half time. Uh, there was six players sent off, three from both teams, and I think Fulham Irish at one stage had three players sent off and two black cards. Did ten players on the field? Like I mean, it, I've never heard. It reads like a soccer report where you know such and such were down to ten men. I'm just disappointed there was no one there to, to video this route. The, the, the London clubs, obviously, they want to keep their, their own players in the clear and uh, fair play to them for that, in fairness. But um, yeah, when it was down to 10 men, it is. It's a, it's a soccer report kind of thing. And it means that basically there's one player missing from every line of the field for that club. Like, so, um, it's just what would that. you do if you're down to 10 men? Just play with no forwards? Jesus. One for like I mean, what shape do you? <laughs> well, you'd have to. I, I I wouldn't say any team has ever prepared for going down to ten men <laughs> in Gaelic football. Now, what anyway. if? What <laughs> if Stalin Brogan was talking about? Yeah, it would be a very a, a coach who's prepared for absolutely every single eventuality. Yeah, goal goal obviously goalkeeper six backs two midfielders and one up front. Um, Lee. Oh God, yeah, I'm racking my head here. I don't even know if I'd stick the one up front if it's two black yards down to ten men. Like you've got. 14 outfield players running at you and it depends what sort of system they set up with to start with you know were they defensive was the plan to go at them you know what were they doing in training all that week that that that's a, a headache that I don't think any manager's really going to be equipped for no no definitely not in in the tip in the <clears throat> Tipperary hurling championship a bit of drama here in fairness the Boris Lee game had loads of drama in it um John McGrath hit four five in the first half of their match like they, they, they're not they're not playing any kind of Egypt's here they're playing um, Kilroan McDonough's and they only won by 3 points 4.15 to 21 points he scored 4.5 and a half of hurling uh, no exactly and then when they really needed a point late on it was John McGrath who popped up with his his, yeah. his point well, in the I would be half. very disappointed with him only getting one point in the second half important yeah. or, not, or important or not uh, he had the damage done like it was uh, <laughs> it was the it was the John McGrath show in Turles like I think it was he had he had one one after three minutes. He had two two after ten minutes. Three three after twenty four five after half an hour. Like he just stayed building it up the whole way through. But like um, his first goal was sensational, even though it was a very sus- suspect hand pass to him. I know the hand pass over was the it? head. You see a lot, lads. Um, it's it's a handy way to get yourself out of trouble. I think it was Liam Tracy. He did very well to set him up there. But like John McGrath, like what a loss. He he obviously wasn't in form. 
this year like he kind of had a tough year after I suppose losing the two county finals last year and never really recovered but he kind of showed signs of the form when he came on against Waterford I know his goal, his goal Sean O'Brien saved his goal shot but John McGrath looked lively that day and ever since for Lockmore he's been absolutely like he's been on fire but he's just like I just haven't watched him so much like being from Tipperary I think when he's on form there's no more stylish hurler in the country like the way he does it he kind of just he, he kind of reminds me of Mo Salah in the way that he like he doesn't he's never sprinting but he's always finds himself in so much space like and a defender trying to mark him like he he kind of just he gives a little shimmy he's kind of every time he has the ball he gives it a little shake in his hands or he's shaking his hips and he can just kind of stand up then and throw it over as if it's the most as if it's the easiest thing in the world like and no he was like he was he was on fire the first goal was brilliant the second just the goal he didn't have a chance like but um it's huge for for Tipperary next year that he will be on form but yeah. also for Lockmore Castellani like Noel McGrath was brilliant Lee McGrath was brilliant Brian McGrath it was the McGrath show in general but with John in that form for the Tipperary Championship like I know Kildanyan are the defending champions but Lockmore will be very hard to beat They will yeah and I think maybe even playing on the two man full forward line that Sheedy was kind of experimenting with it maybe didn't suit McGrath as well I do take the point mm. with the geez he got uh, an awful doing in the club losing both and you know mm. a big run to it he seemed he seemed very tired uh, Boris Ali like we mentioned they beat Mullinahone after extra time imagine poor Paul Curran and Owen Kelly going to extra time ah here like <laughs> I mean you know and the two of them playing so well for, for Mullinahone it's a head scratch with Mullinahone where have they come from now you know like I mean did they have a very good minor team or not like I didn't think Mullinahone would be able to put it up to Boris Ali like that yeah well sure I know where they came from they beat us in the county final last year that was it did you beat, and what did they beat you by they only came up from senior B senior B yeah they beat us by five points last year but like they would like traditionally they would be a, a senior club like and yeah they won one back in the naughty I in think it was 2002, 2002 or 2002 yeah, yeah but um, yeah like they've, they're just they're, I suppose they don't. They've they've a few young lads that are coming onto the team. The likes of Mikey O'Shea, there's a she, uh, Shelley like Colin Shelley, cornerback, and Jack Shelley. He's a brilliant player for them. And um, do you remember Sean Kernwell? He used to play for for Tipperary a bit back in the day. Paul's brother actually. But they're just a very um, sort of a strong team all over um, with a, a brilliant work rate as well. And just just very hard to beat. And I suppose that's what Bursley found out there on. Um, on Friday night, any time they pulled away from Mullinahone, Mullinahone were straight back, like, and sure. Owen Kelly, he scored 11 points, I think it was two from play, but he, he's been doing that all year this year, just kind of leading the thing for Mullinahone and, like, coming up with scores when they really need scores. Like, in the end, it took it took a bit of brilliance from, from Niall Kenny to sort of um, inspire Bursley, but they'll be a bit concerned. Brendan Maher went off injured with, um, it seemed like, a knee injury, so... Hopefully, hopefully he's all right because they'll they'll definitely need him um, for the next round. Like the f- the four clubs in the semi finals now, it's um, Turles, Kildanyan, Lockmore, Bursley, and if you were to predict it at the start of the year, they probably would have been the four. So it's um, right. it's all coming to. Uh, an exciting conclusion in Tipperary. Yeah. Nemo, as mentioned, were out of the Cork Championship. Um, Douglas beat them 110 uh, to 11 points. It was a 57-minute goal, a bit like Ballinamore, um, Daniel Hart. Um, Nemo were going for three in a row um, here, Lee. So, like, I mean, we're not seeing too many defending champions. We saw St. Bridget's and we saw a tie go out last last week um, in Roscommon and Kildare. Uh, we see Nemo going out in Cork. Yeah, they're all taking the, the Tyrone example. You know, it's, it's not cool to win two. Oh, Dungannon too, out. yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just want to go out in the in the uh, get your title and then you drink and you hang over and then you go again in two years' time. That's the way to do it. But um, no, it is. It's weird that the reigning champions they're starting to lose a bit of steam. Um, and I, I don't know if it's any trending theme or anything like that. Like, I mean, it's just so hard to win a county title and then so to actually retain one and the demands it takes. You know, to go again after giving so much of your life and commitment that first time round, you know, to go again a second and then a third and some, and some occasions a fourth, you know, I mean, it's, it's just a huge ask and, you know, it has to stop at some stage. It is, yeah. And Leash Championship, Port Arlington, they're the defending champions. They beat Stradbally, um 18 points to, or 16 points to eight, double scores. So they're into the semi-final. Port Leash got over all Dempsey's after extra 
time. Uh, Ricky Marr and Benny Carroll came on there, kind of gave them a bit, bit more shape in the half forward line. Um, Portlaoise were under looking like they were in big trouble in that game and ended up winning it after extra time. So that's Leash Championship is into semi final stages as well. Dottie Burke was sent off. Um, for Turlock Moore um, and tell me about the club that I'd never heard of in my life um, that beat them Kilnamina Leitrim we're, we're nine points down against Turlock Moore Dottie Burke sent off and then um, they collapsed yeah, you weren't far off with that one it was Kilnadima Leitrim Kilnadima but, but um, yeah they were Turlock Moore were ten points up at at, uh, at one stage and like sure when you're winning a game by that much and especially when you're you're fancy to win a game like that yeah. I'd say you nearly kind of right. This job is done. Like we're through to the quarterfinals now, but Kilnadima, Kilnadima Leitrim, they've been kind of like they wouldn't have been. Why is Leitrim in their name? Oh, don't ask me. Um, An amalgamation with it. <laughs> it must be something like that. But they've been they've been a decent club. They won an intermediate. Actually, I think they got to an all Ireland intermediate final um, a few years back. But they've a good few young players now. Kilnadima Leitrim, the likes of Colin Malai, Brian Malai, and Dylan Tawalawi. He actually got the goal. I think it was just after Jahi Burke was sent off just after it so it was kind of a a bit of a double whammy for Turlock Moore and Kilnadima Leitrim just took over the game from there and um, it's a great win for them because Turlock Moore they were in the final last year Yeah, they'd I suppose if any club was tipped to beat St Thomas's, Turlock Moore were the club. So it's a great scalp for Kilnadima Leitrim, and they'll be they'll be buzzing heading into the quarterfinals. One, one other one is Portumna, who I always keep my eye out for because I always used to love watching them. Obviously, Joe Canning and her own Damien Hayes uh, only lost to Gort, who were one of the big clubs by three points. And this is a Portumna without Joe Canning. Yeah, like it was, it was. It was. I was tuning into this one myself as well, and like. I live right beside Bertumna, so like you were very disappointed for them to lose it because the whole way through the game they look like um they look like winners of this one. I think they were up by seven or eight at half time and by all accounts they were hurling very well like and to be doing that without Joe Canning, like it's it really is brilliant stuff from Bertumna because they they had a very bad campaign last year and this year though they've kind of gradually picked up steam. There's a few young lads coming on through um a lot of the older lads are gone, but Andy Smith is still there flying Andy the Smith, flag for a them. A good one. And oh, a great one. Like he's he's tough as nails, like as tough a competitor as you'll ever come across, really. Like, and he's he's hurling great for them. And Ronan O'Mara as well. He's he's been on and off the Gala panel, but he's an absolutely gifted hurler. If there's a man who if there's a, a best club hurler who's not hurling county, I'd say Ronan O'Mara is the man. What age is he? He's around twenty five, year year older than me, but he was brilliant Gala minor and Pertumna man. Yeah, Pertumna man and he he was been on and off senior panels, but hasn't really managers haven't really taken to him. It seems, but um, turning he, up the training gifted. issues or anything like that. I couldn't tell you. Really. <laughs> You're too close to be saying <laughs> things like that to be all over in Gort in the local nightclub after you, uh, Niall. Um, some older older generation still uh, uh, performing for their clubs. JJ Delaney scored one two uh, for Fenians. Um, He's playing full forward now, Niall. Like, this is uh, beyond belief. JJ scored one point in his entire Kilkenny <laughs> career. It was in Amore Park because we did a tribute show with him with Brian Cody and Brian Cody was laughing. Brian Cody didn't even believe that he'd scored a point <laughs> in his whole Kilkenny. Now playing full forward. He's doing a Paddy Deegan on it. One, 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 two. And for me, this makes so much sense. If you've got a paw like JJ Delaney, like th- maybe the greatest that's ever played, you would make an argument. If he's doing that in the full back line, what's saying he can't catch deliveries into the full forward line? And he's so close to the goals when he's catching them in there, he's hardly going to miss from in there. Like, I mean, if you have a good pause at full back, you have to be a good full forward. Yeah, Fenians seem to have seen the light, Wally. Um, JJ, I, I, I was chatting to a lad from Fenians last year because they were in the, I think it was the relegation final. And JJ was after popping up and he caught an outrageous ball in the half back line and stuck it over the bar to helped him survive as an intermediate club but now he's gone up to the full forward line I'd say this is his first year there and um, just like Paddy Deegan he seems to have slotted right in but as you say it's not too much of a like a lad like JJ he could kind of hurl anywhere because he's able to catch the ball and sure once he does that instead of lamping it out the field now all he has to do is turn around and stick it in the net yeah. and that's well, what he did at the weekend that's what, exactly what he did at the weekend get this one Alan McNamee he's 39 JJ's 39 as well and he's playing in his 28th county final imagine that Lee 20 county finals yeah I mean it's absolutely unheard of 20 county finals uh, he, this will, hopefully if he wins this one it'll be his 13th win he's won 12 already 7 losses 
And it's just testament, you know, to his hunger and, and his conditioning and the fact that he just keeps wanting more and more. You know, he's not satisfied being in double figures for <laughs> county titles. Um, and just fair play to him. Like, I mean, who knows uh, when he'll actually stop and what and what the end figure could be. Yeah, he's won them in three decades, 98, four decades. The noughties. What are the next decade called? The teens <laughs> and then the twenties. What, what is it before the twenties? Anyways, four decades he's won county titles in, um, which is sensational. Um, going, I have a six county title win, two loss ratio, which isn't too bad, is it? Yeah, a bit behind Alan McNamee now. Like, for, for <laughs> my my win ratio is better. <laughs> well, there's no argument with that one. In fairness, but um, to have played in twenty, like to play in twenty county finals, like you often hear about lads when they're heading out to a county final, they say. This could be the biggest day of my life. Well, <laughs> Alan McNamee, he's had, he's had a lot of those days, hasn't he? Yeah, he, he certainly has. Kieran Donahue played for Austin Stacks. They beat Ken Mayer uh, yesterday to win three club titles in a row. Uh, Donahue is 39. So still going very strong at 39. He didn't score, but you know, he doesn't need to score to cause an awful lot of problems. I was told that club championship, I was told uh, by a couple of people on direct messages. A lot of people send me direct messages like they don't want to be seen se- sending them. Nobody gives a shit about that club championship in Kerry, I'm told, so I'm not going to spend too much uh, time. The next one is the big one with the divisional uh, divisional teams in it. Wait till you get this. Ard Clock, 3.15, Quail Dove. I think I've gotten them right. 2.17, one-point win in the Kildare Senior Hurling Championship quarterfinal for Ard Clock. Tony Spain scored 1-2 for Ard Clock. He's on the go a long time now for Kildare. 45 Nile and his buddy uh, Colin Boogie scored 1-1 he's 42 they both played wing forward traditionally a, a, a position where you have to cover a lot of ground that's a combined age of 87 for the wing <laughs> forwards I think like, Jesus Christ um, like, <laughs> you, were, you were saying I last week I hope they're not wearing GPS's or <laughs> in fairness you were saying last week that you'd prefer to see some of the older lads out in the middle of the field sort of uh, maybe in the half forward line throwing the ball around yeah. while a lot of them get pushed into the full forward line but these boys they're they're in the middle of it like the wing forwards do as much running as anybody in a in a game of hurling so she's uh, fair play to the lads they must have uh, some commitment to, to stay going to that age yeah 45 is some age now like I mean I'm 43 and I'm struggling at junior B like I mean so be playing senior hurling at 45 and scoring 1-2 from wing forward is some going another man who could easily get to 45 is Connell Keeney he scored 1-1 for Ballyboden they were beaten by Kula um, after extra time he's 39 he's still playing dual so he's not even getting his week off he's playing every week like, like we're saying John McGrath and Noel McGrath oh they got very tired you know they were playing every week with their club they're in their 20s <laughs> Connell's doing it at 39 yeah like I interviewed him before and he was actually kind of crediting the dual thing for suppose keeping his enthusiasm going as well and like you can see where he's coming from from that point of view as well like but um no I seen a picture of him there yesterday sure the man like he's he's in the condition he's in he's like a professional athlete like and he's as strong as anyone that's out on the field out there and uh like he, he by all accounts he had a brilliant game yesterday for Ballyboden they were just a little bit unlucky but Kula they they're kind of like Ballyhale. They just managed to kind of grind out these tight games. Like I think Conor Callaghan got four points. Daryl Connell was brilliant. You know? that Connell only got one point now. Maybe we're reading different uh, reports because I was surprised that Sean Moran got two, three from corner forward. Now Dublin need a corner. Dublin need some kind of size and danger in there. Like, I mean, he has to be trialled out in there at, at some point. He's been a strange one the last few years. Like, yeah, he's, he's lost confidence, been, I think. Yeah, like he was such a... For a few years there, he was such a brilliant player, and when Kula were winning the club All Ireland's, like he was the man. Like, but um, Dublin do need a forward. I think he was there last year too. I knew him on the show here, and and he yeah. scored. He scored a good bit he that scored day. Scored a couple as well. of goals one day. Yeah, but like he's he's brilliant in the air, and he seems to be a good finisher as well, and um, definitely an option for Dublin. I know in the other um, quarter final there was big scores for Kilmacud Crokes. I think it was Ronan Hayes and um, Alex Constantine scored like one f- one. 14 between them or something and Constantine was like Hayes is obviously he's been been decent the last few years but yeah. he seems to be improving all the time as well and your man Constantine he was on the minors a few years ago but he got 1-5 from play now in that quarter final so I suppose they need forward so these are sort of green shoots for Dublin yeah definitely Hayes has potential Hayes and Sean Moran maybe in the full forward line for Dublin next next year we could uh, keep our eye out um, for that Cowlery um Probably pronounced it wrong again, even though a fella DM me the exact uh, pronunciation. They they were in their first ever senior quarter final, and geez, they nearly did it. They nearly beat St. Lomans, who were defending champions. Um, eight points all, just run, and uh, Lomans scored one two without reply in the last uh, 
in the last um in the last part of the game to to beat them. So fair play to them. It's worth a shout out. Uh, Shane Curran's um, team in in Westmead. They were 2019 Intermediate Champions. They were 6-5 up at, at half time. So they're out. Anyway, Westmead are in their semi-finals. Right, that's it for the club. Um, that's probably the longest club roundup we've done uh, since since we started in the club season. We'll come, come back for another little while and we'll talk about one or two other stories. Okay, so a little bit more championship restructures chat here. Now, don't worry, hurling people. You're probably sick of this by now, but it's pretty important to the football people. So we have to keep pushing it because Special Congress is on, obviously, next weekend. And there is some new news um, since the last show. So the last show we were talking about um, Conor O'Donoghue's uh, projections where the Plan B uh, stood to generate 10 million more. That were They were based off his... Um, he kind of based his numbers off Super 8 attendances... And he was of the opinion that a Division One attendances of those for those seven games would be similar to Super Eight attendances, and I thought that made a little bit of sense. The GEA weren't having this, Lee, um, because they have their fina- director of finance, Jermal Ryan. He sent um, treasurers in every county board um, his projections. And it has Plan B third on the list now. Not much difference in the status in the st- than what the status quo is now, but at the same time, he had Plan B lower than the other two um, plans, even though Connor had it way above the other two plans. And amazingly, the GEA are basing their projections for a league-based championship. So the league is now in the summer and it's linked to the All Ireland. It is the big show in town. They're based their projections off league attendances that are played in February and March. Yeah, I think the GAA have showed their hand just a little bit with this one. Um, you hear nothing from them for ages regarding the Plan B proposal. And then suddenly, when it becomes really public, all oh, potentially all these good things can happen financially. They come straight back out with, oh, no, no, it's actually not that good. It's not that good. You know, everyone calm down with it. Um, I don't know why they based it off the league. Uh, the league beforehand was always, and, th- and this is just tradition. This is the way it's always been. No one has any issue with this. But the league beforehand was always preparation for the championship. Now, it a bigger and better preparation than say like a McKenna Cup or a Burn Cup or something, but and taken still very seriously. People wanted to be promoted. They wanted to be in the in the best division that they can be, but it was still, it was still just build up. You know, it was still second tier compared to the main championship. Uh, so I don't know why they took the league attendances or the attendance figures based on that when the league based championship is the championship. You know, they're getting yeah. confused. They're saying that it's a league and then it becomes a championship. It's not. The whole thing is the championship. So I feel like you got to take them attendance figures from previous championships. It's just, that's, it, it, it's the only way that makes sense. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how some people are discrediting it by saying that there's the league <clears throat> and then the quarterfinals on preliminary quarterfinals that's the championship like I mean that's not it it's a league based championship those seven games are championship games why are people not getting that I don't understand it they're played in the summer they're filtering in to the All-Ireland quarterfinals they're all championship matches and that's it like there's no confusion about this so I do feel that the GA showed their hand Niall by by you know releasing these figures which has the status quo as the most lucrative and that's the big worry that the GA don't want to change anything other than bring in the Talton Cup. They have the plan B. Now, there, there's minimal enough differences in between the the amounts anyways. The, the status quo is 19.6 million uh, revenue generated and the plan B is 18.8. So it's pretty negligible. And this is based off the worst league-based championship figures that you could possibly imagine. You're averaging 9,000. In Division One now, <laughs> like I mean, it's incredible what they've done here, and I'm very, very concerned about what they're pushing behind the scenes. Yeah, I think I think it's fairly it's fairly unbelievable, really, that they are using that gauge, that using league attendances, and saying that that will be the championship attendances. Like that's um, like. <laughs> Like championship clearly will have more of a draw in the summer. Like this isn't just this isn't just a league. Like it has the it has the kind of rewards and the risk of a championship game. Like so, I think any <clears throat> spectator, any supporter, any punter, like they'll be they'll be looking forward to these games as if they're sort of championship games. And as you mentioned it there, that 
the quarterfinal, that's when the championship starts. The only thing I could compare that to is the setup they have there in the Kilkenny Club Hurling Championship, where it's the league, say, starting off and then it's into the championship. But sure, all those clubs take the league just as important because that's what defines, that's the start of your championship campaign and that defines your form and whether you're going to be competing like so yeah no it's, it's so like even and even like i was talking to brian McAvoy and i used the example of the the munster league and how the attendances like they're league games now if the ga want to call them league games it's a league championship and the attendances haven't suffered at all at all and brian McAvoy said oh well they haven't suffered this was in the context of comparing them to the provincial championships that's going to be run off on a on a round robin but if the Munster Championship hasn't suffered attendances from championship knockout to league-based championship, why do they think that the league-based championship in Gaelic football is going to be, you know, so much lower than what a, cha- a normal championship game is? It doesn't make any sense to me. And I do, I do worry a lot. I think there's a meeting on tonight. Um, I worry a lot that if the finance um, director is sending around that kind of information, it's very, very obvious to me, Lee, where the GA are leaning because you know they, and if you even want to accuse Conor O'Donoghue for overinflating the numbers you know I don't think he has but you could accuse him why can't they meet somewhere in the middle between his overinflation and their very very conservative league numbers which everyone would agree that you cannot compare a league-based championship to a league. One played in May, June, and the other played in February, March. One a warm-up to the championship, the other the championship. Like, why can't they at least even meet somewhere in the middle, which would make Plan B, you know, the most, uh, generate the most revenue? You know, I, I just, it, the mind boggles. It really, really does. Well, I think you answered your own question. The reason that they were conservative with them numbers that they released was because they don't want Plan B going forward and they want to present it as though it's a really flawed system and, and that it, it won't bring in many more revenue and then people shouldn't vote for it or shouldn't want it. Um, I, I don't really get it because there's loads of contradictions with it all now. I thought the issue originally, or one of the main issues, was that the provincial champions, after all, they'll become pre-season tournaments and then they'll lose all their value. But... And then the league becomes the main championship and it'll have all the value. So why would they take the league-based attendances according to that if the provincial championships is going to be the preseason? Do you know, like, yeah. which is it? Yeah. Uh, like, it's one or the other. Like, I mean, if you're going to pick a flaw, pick one and, and stick to your guns at the very least. Um, the fact that then, then the provincial champions will be done and you'll have winners, you'll have losers and people will start making their predictions for the, the championship, you know, based on form and based on different things. And then there'll be build up. The weather will be scorching hot. Everyone will be getting their tickets for the matches. You'll have the biggest names in town playing each other because of the division one. And then your own county will be playing teams you know, on par with themselves. Uh, so there's actually winnable games. So I, I can't see why more people wouldn't go to that, you know. But I understand they have to pick something to base figures on hypothetically. But the league-based uh, figures, it makes just zero sense to me. I mean, they're still picking a pre-season tournament or a tournament that is, you know, a warm-up, whatever way you want to call it, uh, to replace the championship statistics. It, it, it doesn't add up. Yeah, they, so the GPA had re- released a statement pretty soon after after this came out, um, John Fogarty had that in the examiner and he says the GPA are delighted the GA has confirmed that there would be no meaningful financial impact should should proposal B be backed at special congress with only a 4.1% difference between any eventuality using the GA's surprisingly conservative attendance figures. Given that there has been a concern expressed, we're happy to see it's now clarified and should put delegates' minds at ease on this matter. Um like, I mean, a, a clever response, really, from the G, the GPA, you know, twisting this into a positive, which, you know, realistically, it is a, it is a positive. No 4.1% difference, tiny, tiny um, difference. And this is using the, the lowest numbers that could ever possibly happen. So I think any delegate or any treasurer with half a brain in their heads will go, you know, plan B is going to make more money. That was nicely done by the GPA. It was. It was, kind of, it was show no weakness. Like, that was their they're kind of motto going into that one. But no, like it is, not to be going back in it, but it is, not not only is it kind of clutching on straws from the GA to use the league, it's kind of, it's misleading like on, on top of everything else. Like, so um, 
no, you'd be you'd be hoping that they they reach the right outcome on Saturday. But as a hurling person, I'd be glad to hear the end of it anyway. Yeah, well, as a hurling person, do you really give a shit? No, I couldn't care less. <laughs> well, I appreciate your honesty um, on that. Now, <laughs> I get that impression for you. Like I see it in your face. Will this talk ever? Just, can we never move on from this again? That's why I've apologised to hurling people like you that are listening and having the show polluted with big ball talk that they have no, they don't care about. Because obviously, the hurling championship has a great structure and the big teams the Division 1 teams play each other all the time and that's why Hurling dominates the championship every June to the point where you might only see one Gaelic football game in, in, the, in the whole month you know so like I mean this is what Gaelic football fans want to see changed they want to see all the big teams playing each other more often um, in the football championship just like the Hurling championship so it's not hard to understand you know what, the, what, what everybody wants here one other one before we get going is James Horan was on the radio. I think he was on uh, local Midwest radio or something this morning. Uh, was it Midwest yeah, was radio? Um, and he's completely, um, he has completely, you know, um, denied that there is any uh, rift in the in the Mayo backroom team. So he said the amount of untruths. One thing I always wonder about untruths. Why do people say untruths instead of lies? Is there some reason for this that you see the word untruth the whole time instead of a lie? Like if James Horan's saying it's not true, well then it's a lie. So he says the amount of untruths that were published on this has just been phenomenal. Kieran MacDonald and James Burke and myself have been working over the last number of weeks to plot and plan for the new season. And that's uh, really where we need to be. To me, it's bonkers. It's bonkers how people... Uh, that was published and then people ran with it based on absolutely nothing. It's a complete untruth. Lie. Uh, look, that's where it is. I can't control that. I can't do anything about it. I, I, I don't know, Lee. We've, we, I don't want to say we're guilty. We speculated if that's true with Kieran MacDonald, why would that be, you know, without saying that's, that was reported a lot, probably locally in Mayo, uh, more than anything else. I don't think we're guilty for spreading it. We just talked about what potential, you know, what, why that might be if it is true. But James Horan saying there's absolutely nothing to see here and hard to understand how someone would just make that up. OK, well, first of all, in terms of uh, using untruths, uh, it's like media training 101, basically, because if you say there are lies, then it means that there is a liar and then, then media publications can take it as James Horns have an attack on them and then he starts a war with them. It's all very silly and it's all very um, formal, but that's that's uh, what he's trying to avoid anyway. Um, in terms of the rumour circle and stuff, like he, he says that there's nothing he could do to control it or to stop it. But I'm thinking like it's five weeks after the championship uh, that they lost that, that All-Ireland against Jerome and he's only and putting a stop to it by saying, actually, none of this is true. Keir McDonald's been in my house. You know, I've been talking to everybody. Everyone's still friends we agree on most things um and he even joked that the only thing they disagree on is the music and everything's rosy so don't know that is that put to the name but i just don't see why it couldn't have came out earlier why they couldn't have just you know and, and squashed it pretty much from the off yeah maybe i don't know that's a good point maybe he didn't want to give it the attention and that it deserved and um, because he thought it was um an untruth and maybe you know when it started growing legs maybe he said I think he mentioned something about wanting to speak to the county board first or something maybe to to see what the plans for the following year but that's it he says Kieran Mack has been in my house I don't know how many times we talk maybe four or five times a day plotting and planning what we can do um, and working with James he talked about he says I'm working with James I know there was a clip that was sent around of James Burke saying something to me there was a couple of hundred people behind us and it was a little bit noisy so I asked James to repeat what he said and it's been taken out of context I think this is a video, I've never seen this video, but I hear it's a video, it looked like James Horn shouting at James Burke. And I'd say people maybe read into that and put one and one together and got, you know, a three or four. But the reality is like, I mean, James Horn and Keir MacDonald are ex-teammates. They go back a long way, you know, like, I mean, so I don't know. Maybe it was just the disappointment of it. And I, I think often after all Ireland's in Mayo, there's a fallout and a lot of these things start going around anyways, probably like most counties. There seems to be a whole load of untruths going around up in up in Mayo, uh, Wooly. But um, no, uh, like it it is. I suppose after when a team loses, um, you kind of just I suppose people are looking for a scapegoat. You want to find out why, and it's because they don't get along, and the selectors don't. You know, I suppose yeah. it's trying to like it happened down in Kerry. There was it last year, the year the year previous as well. So it kind of just I suppose when yeah when things go wrong. People want a, a person to lay it all on and uh, I suppose that kind of happened in Mayo. There was a whole lot of different kind of, <laughs> we'll say untruths, that's what they're calling them. And uh, 
Because Lee's after teaching me a good one. Yeah, there, it's right? a legal thing, you see. Uh, if you say some, if you say something's a lie, then the person is a liar, and now you mm, could get sued for it. Jeez, I'll never write a liar in an article again. Now, <laughs> uh, cheers for that, one, Lee. Yeah, well, I think if a lie is a lie, then the person that did it is a liar. Because if mm. James Horan says he's in my house every day, well, then the person that wrote it. Okay, listen, I'm not going this to go 2021. <laughs> 2021, you can't say anything anymore. He's defended Aidan O'Shea as well. He said that the timing of that article coming out the week before the All-Ireland um, wasn't good. So I suppose that was fair enough. Defended Aidan O'Shea then and other things, you know, stuff he does in the community. And most people know that um, about Aidan O'Shea. Um, anyway, so that's it. The panic in Mayo is over. Um, very disappointed in their All-Ireland performance, he said, um, as well, which is fair enough. And, you know, fixed a few things. And you're, you're rightly, he needed to do that. And like you say, he could have potentially done it a little bit, um, a little bit sooner than he did. But anyways, that's it. That's all we've time for today, lads. We'll be back on Thursday. We'll look ahead. Definitely Nave Connell Kilcar match will take centre stage. So we'll talk to you all then. Good luck. But this little dink ball, the only one in a crowded area where it's a fist pass, the weight is taken over, hits the ground and it bounces into a fella's chest. Why do you not do many interviews? Oh really? Yeah, I might have been asked to do a whole while. Really? Yeah. Have you ever rang me? And they're roaring at me, I cover you, a free state bastard. <laughs> and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> <laughs>